Hello students and welcome to Class of X, the free internet course on how to read and enjoy the X-Men comics better. I'm your teacher and host, John Reisinger, and today I'm joined by writer, producer, director, actor, and partner to a lady who thinks X-Men 3 The Last Stand is a good film, returning guest, James Willems. Today we're talking about Mark Millar and Adam Kubert's 2001 edgy alternate universe, Ultimate X-Men number one through six. Hello, James. Hey, John. Thank you for having me back. Uh, I want to tell you based off that intro it was probably less than 48 hours ago that elise was like when are we gonna watch x-men last stand again <laughs> no so <laughs> yeah it's still a thing it's like an annual thing in your house you pull it out and and she pulls it out of the uh the locked uh case in the side of your house that she well, keeps her copy annual <laughs> meaning once a year seems that seems close i don't know maybe that- i have to do more than that Does she just, do you guys just jump into X-Men 3 Last Stand, or do you, like, start from the beginning and make your way to 3? Just X-Men 3. Just X-Men 3. Yeah. What is, if you had to make a, if you had to, like, point out her favorite moment in the movie that you can tell, what's her favorite moment, or what's the part that she looks for? Oh, it's 100%. It's uh, when Magneto says, no needle will touch my skin again. (laughs) Yeah, she quoted that time that I had her on the episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's her, by far and away her favorite part. That's so funny. I mm-hmm. love her genuine joy with weird things. We share a love of Muppets, and it was mm-hmm. something that I always thought everyone's uh, obsessed with the Muppets, right? And then, like, as I became an adult, it's like, oh, yeah, a lot of people just didn't get to get into them as much. Yeah. Uh, but Elisa likes her absurdity. You like your absurdity as well. You have your niches. Oh yeah, I, I I mean I have all kinds of weird stuff. I mean I like the Muppets as well. Yeah, you are, think, you are, yeah, you are, you are. Know, you uh, know, she's just she has all the Muppet nuance. <laughs> she loves all of it. So yeah, yeah, I'm there with her as well on that. Uh, but uh, we're not talking about that Disney property today. Today we're talking about the Disney property that is the X Men. Um, and you've been on before, and so we got your background check and everything like that on comics and everything like that. Um, so instead one, I will ask, have you read anything good lately or have you been uh, not been able to get around to comics as often as you'd like? Well, uh, yeah, so, something that I've read lately that was great was East of Eden, <laughs> which is not okay. a comic book. Yep. Um, not, not yet. Not uh, yet. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> um, but it was awesome. Uh, great. it was fantastic. I was like, wow. Okay. This is really great. And then. And yeah, I've mostly been listening to a lot of books. I can't really say. I don't think. <laughs> I thought you were going to say I've really, been listening to comics. I wish. Uh, um, yeah. But I haven't really. Every Because when we did it last time, we did Extreme X-Men. I was like, oh, I, this app was so easy. I should definitely. I should like yeah. get something like and like just like send me the next issue every month or whatever. And I just never did. Yeah. Um, so I think that was like the last time I sat down. Oh, no, 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 <gasps> no, 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 no. Oh, I have been reading the life and times of Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> have you heard of this? Have you, are you aware of this? No. Oh, Is my this a God. Comic? Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a big Cause, it cause was DuckTales yeah. and Donald Duck was a big comic franchise. Yeah. This is like the ins- inspiration for a lot of that. And okay. a ton of other stuff. Uh, it's it's uh, Don so is this old timey. Or is this or is this new? It, is this it, old or new? It, so it's from the nineties. Okay, it's from the nineties. Um, but it, it they're these two huge like omnibuses, right? Okay, compiling a bunch of these comics that went out, and and, and they see it seems like you could just e- easily write it off, but like 
it won a ton of awards. It's really it was for a time really hard to get it get your hands on it because I had it as like an Amazon wish listed thing. And yeah. it was like you could buy a pre-owned copy for like four hundred dollars or something wow. like it was crazy, like really hard to get your hands on. And then probably maybe two years ago, it finally like I got a notification it was like, hey, something on your wish list is available. And it was available for like sixty dollars, which is still not nothing. But it's yeah. these two huge hardcover yeah. things. And so I, I bought it and then I just let it. I was like, OK, good. I got it. I, now I can read it. But I never actually sat down until recently. I've been like eating breakfast and reading yeah. like an issue. And it's awesome. It's How so does good. Something like that land on your radar. I don't like it, you, it, you. You clearly heard about it and put it on your list for a yeah. while. It's it's it must have been on some sort of other list of stuff i it's again i think it won an eisner award like yeah. i think it's it's pretty well known as being like this great thing so i must have been looking like for like great graphic novels to read and it was on yeah. a list and then i threw it on my list and it just kind of hung around but wow. uh it's life and times of scrooge mcduck yeah yeah it's great it's so good and it's also fun because like it's historical right it presumes yeah, yeah, yeah. that Scrooge was born in probably like the late 1800s or whatever. And uh, and so his journey to like America to find his fortune. But he's always right. with like all of the different major events from like the 20th century. So like, like he's, he force gumps it kind of. I mean, he's kind of he he's like there during like the steamboat era of like the Louisiana steamboat era in the Mississippi, but then he like goes out. He was west there at the grassy knoll. <laughs> I haven't got maybe <laughs> we might get there, but like he's like he goes out west. He tries to find gold and yeah. oil and like all those things, and it's really fun. So what? So was this like the inst? What did this exist prior to the cartoon? And it's what the cartoon was derived I from. I don't know. I because if it was so. 90s, that's very close to like yeah. when DuckTales was a show. Yeah, I think Depending on so. where in the 90s. Yeah, I, I'm, maybe there was like this whole Disney was like, we're really pushing Scrooge. So they did like, you know, a Shadows of the Empire, attack it from all fronts <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. kind of thing. Hey, I love, they, there's the one DuckTales feature film that is the the lamp it was the the i can't remember what the title is but it's like the g yeah, it's got yeah. the genie lamp mm -hmm. and i loved that i remember enjoying that a lot because it's one of those great like wish fulfillment movies mm -hmm. where all the wishes are like you know mountains of ice cream and uh all the toys in the world that come alive and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff and as a kid it's like watching like blank check or richie rich and you're like yeah yeah, yeah. That's yeah you the put dream. yourself in it yeah <laughs> All right, did not expect that it's great. Uh, recommendation, it's great. but I yeah. love I love uh, odd recommendations like that because it's always the just the weird uh, things you didn't think of. It's never like someone's like, oh yeah, this run of Superman's really good. Although I love reading Superman, but mm -hmm. the other uh, stuff is great. Well, that's fun, um, but we're talking about something that I would presume is a little edgier than the Life and Times of Scrooge McDuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Aged we're just about as well, though. <laughs> sure, it did. Um, <laughs> the difference between uh, depicting the late 1800s in America in the 90s is not so different as depicting the present day of what, like 2004 yeah. or something. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, it was uh, Ultimate X Men uh, came out in 2001. 
Mm -hmm. Um, It was the second title to be released part of the Marvel's ultimate, uh, like, uh, alternate universe thing. Mm -hmm. The first one was Brian Michael Bendis wrote Mm Spider-Man. And a lot lot of people might not know this. That's where we got Miles Morales was from Ultimate Spider-Man. He took the place of Spider-Man when Spider-Man died far far into the Ultimate Mm Spider-Man run. Um, But uh, the editors of Marvel at the time, Joe Quesada and Bill Hamas, uh, they actually originally wanted Brian Michael Bendis to do Ultimate X-Men, but he turned it down, and so they approached Mark Millar. Um, you're, I would imagine you are pretty familiar with at least some of Mark Millar's work, if only because it's been adapted to some you know, movies and TV shows at this point. Um, have you read like any of his uh, like other works? Well, it's like he did Kick-Ass, right? Yeah, uh, and, and, uh, and Kingsman yeah um, yeah and yeah. uh he was known for at the time for a, a comic titled the authority which was kind of like um a, a, a edgy justice league kind of okay. thing yeah it's actually really good there's a few iterations of the authority anyways they approached him craziest thing about this and i didn't learn about this until looking into like the background of this for this episode um he hadn't they approached Mark because he's really known for his comic works, but he didn't know anything about the X-Men, had read like three issues mm. from like the Claremont era. And so what he did was he they said, I don't know if they suggested he go do this or he did this. He went and saw the 2000 X-Men film. Okay. And then based off of that and three issues of like comics that he'd read from that era from like the 1980s, he wrote a pitch for this and knew nothing about really like the lore of the X-Men and sent it to them and they loved it. And so they handed him the reins for like launching Ultimate X-Men, which I fully agree with you. It is not the Ultimate Universe as a whole because I have been consuming all of it recently um, because I was like, I bought Ultimate Invasion, which is this return to the Ultimate Universe mm-hmm. right now in the comics. But I was like, oh, I should I should reread some stuff. And that turned into just, a, I've gone down a rabbit hole of reading everything. Mm-hmm. Fantastic Four, Ultimates, Ultimate Vision, all that kind of stuff. And no, it does not. It's it's so it's so two thousands. It's so early two thousands. Which can I just jump in and say isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's a thing. But no, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's jarring because, in my opinion, as a culture, or at least a lot of our culture, has progressed beyond some of these themes, or have progressed beyond them being so normalized or uh you know i don't know like many of these tropes have been left behind yes right yeah especially like in i i guess maybe i get a lot of whiplash because i'm reading also current Mm x-men and current x-men is probably a lot of people describe this as like radicalized left wokeness that's full of a bunch of queer Mm -hmm. kids on an island you know you know that kind of thing and uh you never hear anybody say the R word uh, mm-hmm. in in the current comics, but in reading the ult, the ultimate comics, a lot of old terminology, a mm-hmm. um, lot of uh, buzzwords that we wouldn't say. Like they're not like using like hard slurs often in it, mm-hmm. but uh, it's just I can't think of a better word other than edgy. Like how would you yeah. describe this? No, I think edgy is kind of it. You know, again, uh, when we get into this. I kind of I kind of loved rereading this. Like I kind of loved it. Like these first 6 issues are pretty great. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know. I all of all of the ultimates, like because I I same as you, I read Spider Man, Avengers, and X Men when they were like way back when when they were coming. I remember I, that was around the time I moved to Los Angeles in like the two thousands. You're talking about the two thousands, yeah, yeah. And I couldn't afford to do basically anything else, so I just got a bunch of back issues of this stuff, and I was like, well, I don't. I, where can I jump in? And they're like, oh, well, you can jump in right here. So yeah. I got really into like at least those three and I've read a lot of them. But this is the first time picking X-Men back up. I, I've gone yeah. back to Spider-Man more recently, um, but the first Spider-Man time Spider-Man age is a little better. Yeah, but they all have that. And some of it is just how comics are written. We talked about this with, with yes. Extreme X-Men. Like there's just something about like, well, that's what he'll th- like. You just have to like describe what just transpired and what is going to transpire. Yes. Maybe he'll think again next time before I have to use my plasma hands on him. You know, like <laughs> like everything is a descriptor because you you can't possibly yeah. imagine what's in between. But then even, yeah, tonally, everyone is a badass. <laughs> everyone talks through their teeth. Like Iceman's c- wearing a do-rag. He's got a do-rag <laughs> and a yeah, bandana and stuff. And it's just like, and it'll just show people just getting blown away. Because like, yeah. it's like they're trying to convince you, like, listen, comics are for adults. As opposed to just being for adults, they're like, no, you don't understand. They're for <laughs> adults, right? Like, it's funny you say that because there was an interview that Mark did uh, with uh, some sort of uh, uh, publication and they asked him about like, you know, his approach to like how he writes uh, the comics a little more adultish. And he, he, his response was interesting because he says like, you know, he doesn't think that we should be writing comics for five-year-olds. Like it's something for, Mm -hmm. you know, the older kids. And he specifically said that he thought they weren't competing with Cartoon Network. They were competing with like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm-hmm. They were competing for attention from the like tween, you know, mm-hmm. audience that likes, they like to feel like they're reading adult things. Cause the book never goes like hyper explicit with like nudity mm-hmm. or uh, even much violence or, or language, but it really skirts that line like up yeah. to a PG, PG 13 like rating. Which then is is tantalizing when you if like you're you're a young kid picking these up and I I I am like you I wasn't a young kid that much picking these up but like I was you know nineteen eighteen nineteen reading these when they mm-hmm. came out and you're right they they also not only were they like tantalizing in that way but they were they did exactly what they were supposed to do they were a easy jump on point for anybody because it was a retelling mm-hmm. same with Spider Man it was a retelling of the whole thing. And you didn't have to know all the backstory, you know. You don't yeah. know, like you know, we 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 read Extreme X, but you don't even know who like Destiny is to get mm-hmm. what this story is. Yeah, yeah, you get introduced to them as you go. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about like the differences because you said like you really enjoyed this, so I imagine that means that you really appreciated like the new takes on these characters and stories. Yeah. Like w- what stood out to you that was like, I don't know, a, like a clever re reboot of something. Well, because like, you know, you think about the original X-Men, like the original team, right? They're like the and original five, the original five, right? It was like Iceman, Beast, Cyclops, Jean Grey and Angel. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so you have like the original team. You're like, oh, yeah, they're really cool. But like, God, we love Wolverine. <laughs> or like God Colossus is cool, right? Yeah. And and it almost feels it feels a lot like a kid going like, 
okay, how would I, if I could only pick another five X-Men, who, what people would I pick now? Now I have the whole roster. Yeah. Right? Who would I pick as my starting squad? Yeah. And, you know, maybe you wouldn't pick Angel, you know, or, you know, maybe you'd figure out some other people. Storm, you're like, oh, my God, Storm, I can do Storm stuff. Like, that's how it kind of yeah. felt. It felt like someone who, like they said, here's the toy box, go crazy. And then he's yeah. just like digging through it. And he's like, ah, Wolverine, for sure. Yeah, right? yeah, like, yeah, you know, obviously. like it, yeah. even even with Dibs. the Brotherhood of Mutants, <laughs> like that's the same thing, too, where it's like, OK, we'll have like Blob and Toad. But yeah. like, what if we what if we just throw Scarlet Witch in there? Like Scarlet, Scarlet Witch and Witch Quicksilver and... just from the start. Like that'd be yeah. great, you know. And let's have Quicksilver like at his OP level where he's you know moving at the speed of you know sound at, at with ease, you know, yeah. if not like close to the speed of light kind of stuff. Um, and what if we made Toad British? What if yeah, we did yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why well, that, was that? Just... Would that have been a response? That probably would have been a response to the movie, right? Yeah, I yeah. think so. Because yeah. is 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 Ray Park? Is he not American? Well, he I I don't think he is, and I think he only has like two lines. And Toad, so Toad definitely speaks with an accent. But he has a little bit movie, of like right? a yeah, a little bit of an accent. In yeah, it. yeah. Uh, it's 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 interesting. I, but he like he must have done some of his homework after he had made his pitch because he he still like connects it to certain things because like. Mm-hmm. Someone had to tell him what the Savage Land was, mm-hmm. and then he had to go. Okay, yeah, I, I want Professor X and Magneto to have worked together prior, which they did in the comics. And I want uh, Professor X. What if Professor X's uh, state of being in the wheelchair is Magneto did it instead mm-hmm. of uh, the? I think it was the Shadow King did it in the comics, in the mm-hmm. regular comics. Uh, but like he retains like magneto's jewishness mm-hmm. you know he and and retains like even storms like street urchin kind of like mm-hmm. a uh you know she steals cars in this now you know instead of being a in egypt stealing pickpockets yeah um wh- I, one of the people that took a, a hard turn or hard like change uh, was gene gray in this yeah what, wh- how do you feel about that again when you're in the time when you when you read this you put yourself in the time right yeah she is like again it's an insist it's an insistence because it isn't like she's just like oh she's got it it's a different take on jean gray she is there to literally remind you how different this x-men story is than the one you know and that's what i for me it felt like a conscious decision which i didn't mind so much um and of course she she always she's always constantly clapping back on everyone, like even yeah. beyond her short hair, uh, small, tiny clothes and yeah. her her proclivity to just sleep with strangers that she meets and stuff like yep. that. Right. Like murderers sleep with yeah. murderers, murder. Yeah. Known murderers. <laughs> and so she's and yeah. she's also like, I think I hate you, Wolverine. And then she's yeah. banging him. Right. Yeah. Um, but I also think that it's like she in they make a point of calling her Marvel girl so much. And I think they're like, it felt like a conscious decision to be like, listen, this ain't, this ain't your papa's X-Men. We're going to be doing some stuff here. (laughs) They, they act, they, if you've read like the history of Jean Grey, it's not too far from the core of her character in certain ways, because while she was introduced as like the little, like quiet, quiet, 
proper girl, the mm-hmm. token girl on the team in the original comics, and took years of developing up towards like Phoenix and all of mm-hmm. that. This is kind of like, well, what if she's given this confidence super early on? She's literally like the second student that Xavier initiates into the team. Um, and you know, what if she's, if she's just got this, uh, this charisma and sassiness from the get go that maybe the Jean Grey from 616 would be more like if she wasn't developed from a 1960s for sure character. Yeah. Now I will say this. I, I specifically call, call out that issues one through six are very good. And in fact, the next story, which is the Weapon X story that happens after this initial run, is actually also very cool. They take a really cool different take on Weapon X. Like, Weapon X is this whole government-funded program. Uh, they actually took one of the members of Weapon X, who's uh, actually in the X-Men Origins Wolverine film, uh, John Wraith, mm. who's a teleporter mm-hmm. in the comics. They make him actually, like, the nasty government-led guy that, like, you know, is mean to all the mutants mm-hmm. and, you know... Uh, tortures Shoots Wolverine. For fun, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like in the program is like Rogue and Juggernaut and stuff like that. Uh, and so that continues to be good. As I've been reading all of them, and I'm up to issue like 88 now mm-hmm. of Ultimate X Men. Um, this happens a lot with comics. Some people run out of ideas. Some people come up with bad ideas. And there are really bad ideas later on in these mm-hmm. stories. Um, it, and a lot of them have to do with Jean Grey. A lot of them have to do with like Wolverine and stuff like that. But we'll stick to just talking about these first six. How far in is it when, because I know I got it at least as far as Mr. Sinister throwing Professor Xavier down the stairs. <laughs> I don't. Have you gotten that, there yet? Because like, like Mr. Sinister's have. take is like, he's just like this like a guy thug. who's influenced yeah he's like a thug who's like influenced by a, uh, a apocalypse apocalypse right yeah yeah it's just like an acolyte almost and then he's like he just kind of like just breaks into the house and then there's this yes. whole thing where he's like i know oh, your he weakness does. he goes stairs <laughs> I, t- I must have there are moments that are so that are in fact very cringy in these comics that i've i because I've, I've been really rushing through them as well and actually the one that i really love reading is ultimate fantastic four it's actually mm. a really fun take which uh, i made a note like one of the only remainders of the ultimate comics after they did the whole uh uh, uh secret wars event was is miles morales he's mm-hmm. the only remainder of that entire universe but i'm wrong Mr. Fantastic actually becomes a villain by the mm. end of Ultimate Comics. He goes full intelligent villain. Mm. Um, and he is in 616 as well. Uh, but yeah, Sinister uh, is just like, he is, he's, they, they play him as crazy. He's got visions of, a, of an apocalypse, but it's actually like this dummy in mm-hmm. his apartment that's dressed yeah. up. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's going off, and he's supposed to be killing these mutants with, like, a gun. He's just got a gun. Yeah. Um, he's got hypnotic powers, which is what helps him kill these kids. And so half the team goes and looks for him, and then the remainder younger ones stay, and he goes, and it's a whole, like, assault yeah, on yeah. the thing. And, yes, he does. He pushes he him throws, down the stairs, yeah. He does. It's, it's not good. I mean, even in this first six issues, like, they use the word, like, cripple 
-hmm. which now feels like uh, just a hard word to hear. It stands out, yeah. Um, And they say it so much. Uh, It's it's it it doesn't look well. Um, But they 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 did like. I love how complicated it is talking about this because, like, while I can point out stuff like that, there's I just like I'm with you. I I like these. I remember loving them when I was younger. I I don't like necessarily adore them now, but I think they're very fun and they're they're an interesting take. Like, mm-hmm. uh, Colossus was so cool of what they did, where they were like, instead of being this farm, you know, ho, you know, bumpkin in in Russia, what if he's working for the Russian mafia and is secretly not letting people know he's a mutant? Um, and they actually even go beyond that. And he eventually, um, you know, this, cause if you've read it, like they develop him as a queer character mm-hmm. and he's, he's one of the only queer characters in the ultimate comics. And it's not always handled perfectly. Mm-hmm. We weren't very good at writing gay characters in the early 2000s, especially if it was by like just a big room of straight men. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cis white men. Yeah. Cis white men <laughs> just talk like, what if this is how it is? And then like, they also wrote like Nightcrawler as like, thinking he's an abomination because he's queer because they were like what if we lean into nightcrawler's religious background mm-hmm. um but before they get into that like they do have all of these you know fresh takes on these characters which uh, i think is a difficult task i mean you're mm-hmm. a writer and we've talked before about like when you are handed the reins of like an ip that you have you know an admiration for and while mark millar clearly wasn't a super fan um he he has to know like these are important comics he this was also when grant morrison was writing the new x-men which was one of the most popular runs of x-men ever this is also during extreme x-men mm-hmm. um and that kind of stuff and chris claremont is writing mm-hmm. x-men so it's hard to compete but he like ultimate x-men outsold everything but grant morrison's new x-men uncanny mm-hmm. x-men extreme x-men um and people were pulling it off the shelves and it had like cultural impact uh you know i I feel like they probably fed off each other the films and ultimate comics because they just Mm -hmm. kept you know you said yourself like well we got to have wolverine be the center of everything yeah and that's what he is in ultimate but like in the movie same thing yeah i think also like as a reader it was a satisfying experience i mean you talked about it already with gene gray but some of it was like all right we're basically going to take like all the stuff that you know about the character and maybe not pull all the best things because it's obviously up to Mark Millar what he's going to choose. But taking like, you know, decades and decades of history and we're going to crush it down into this crystal. And then that's going to be the version (laughs) of the character you get. And it's like pressure and pressure and pressure. But it's like in some in some cases like that. That is exactly why something like this is more likely to go off the rails when you're getting up into the higher <laughs> issues. And maybe yeah. you had a very but this first six issues are like, in my opinion, pretty awesome to read. Yeah. And really it's a great fun. intro. But it's like, OK, I know what Iceman's capable of. Yeah. So we don't have to sit around and wait for the writer yeah. to figure out that it would be awesome for him to freeze a slide down so people can get like out from a burning building or like Colossus is indestructible. So let him get stomped on by a Sentinel and then have him toss it into the air. Cyclops blasting even Wolverine. It's like, okay, well he's not going to always be the like the brooding mopey kind of Wolverine that we're familiar with from decades and decades of Wolverine. He's going to have some fun with it too. And (laughs) then we're going to get like, like, you know, yeah, like this very specific 
but again, all-star version of some of these characters in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think they, it's super cool. I I think that's that's a very smart uh uh reading of it because like yeah, uh when I was rereading it to cuz I I reread it a while ago cuz I've been reading through Ultimate Comics mm-hmm. and I read it again for this episode. Um and they get right into their first mission. They don't spend all this time explaining each other's powers. They don't do a bunch of training sequences. They have that those that nice quick little like montage of Gene uh, recruiting, you know, them, mm-hmm. they show up in their costumes and then there is a threat, uh, you know, uh, w- w- is, is the first mission, the, that Magneto steals the girl or is the first mission, like the attack of the Sentinels in like Times square. I'm pretty sure like saving that. Bobby was the first. Oh yeah. That that's what he yes. went out to do. And they have to go and save him from it. Um, yeah. and yeah, they just, they just jump into it and, beast is already bounding around and doing all that stuff just from the get-go mm-hmm. um because he yeah he at that point especially after the film mm-hmm. like the public knows these characters pretty well mm-hmm. so just you just just let's have some fun with it yeah um i would say the one character i like the least the changes is actually wolverine okay i he they they they, I think they clearly wanted to write him as this, whatever, titular, iconic, bad, brooding, you know, cool guy. Mm-hmm. And I guess maybe I'm drawn more to the, you know, honor-bound, uh, quiet cowboy samurai oh, yeah, that, yeah. that Wolverine has turned into after years. He, he, he definitely was in his early run. He was like, he's always fighting Cyclops and he's, he's, mm-hmm. he's always just rushing off on his own on solo missions. And you can't, you can't keep this guy down and, and, and you can't nail him to the floor at the X mansion and that kind of thing. But now he's such a leader figure in the comics and he's such a father figure to mm-hmm. so many. Oh yeah. Um, that it feels like a bit of a whiplash that wasn't the case at the time, but it feels like now. I get that. I, well, because I think something what you do with all of these characters is you sacrifice nuance, like to get them down into this like <laughs> super is, distilled form. There is no nuance. There's in no the nuance. Comics. Like like Cyclops. <laughs> Cyclops is Cyclops. Like the most Cyclops <laughs> he's ever been. Cyclops. He even has the a disgusting little like goatee patch. There's you know, so much t- early 2000s facial hair in this. They draw him with such disdain. <laughs> um, and it only takes like the slightest thing to make him do the most petty Cyclops thing that he does. Yeah. You know, so like it. it's and again, the same with Gene. Like, OK, we get that Bobby as well, because he's like supposed to be the young one. He's like 15 or something. Yeah. And the rest of them are like what? Like in the, like 20. I think Gene yeah. is 19 or something. Gene is 19. So, they're all pretty young, but Bobby is very young. But that means that like you have to be like he has to be like Bleh! like he has to be yeah. like crybaby sometimes, which is not great. Yeah. But yeah, uh, it. Other than that, like I, I think this was a very good job of like you know, okay, we're gonna do six issues of Ultimate X Men. We're gonna introduce the X Men. What should we do? Well, we gotta do a Magneto fight. We gotta mm-hmm. do a Magneto fight. Um, they really took Magneto's extremism. To, to talk about extreme mm-hmm. uh uh just to the nth degree with this where he like fully is talking about humans like they are unthinking animals mm-hmm. that are you know you know uh 
just ready to be slaughtered and 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 gone and that mutants are super superior like even i i love these lines but i also recognize they're cheesy i love the one where he's oh this is after cyclops defects and goes to savage mm-hmm. land he's like in the tour around their utopia and he's like what was what's that language that scarlet witch was writing her poetry and he's like oh that's the mutant language i'm have everybody switched to after the summer solstice and I'm yeah, like, yeah that's great that's great that's yeah. good it's and um, also how he's like he's like oh no your name we, Professor X and I came up with name. You don't call yourself your post-human Gray. name. Yeah. It's your post-human name. It's a name that describes your innate yeah. abilities and stuff like that. Yeah, he's fully bought in and has such disdain. But then also another thing that I didn't even notice is how he's like, he's like, and I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> I, know, <laughs> you know, like, I know, I know. And I'm like, okay, Which- first of all, you look like you weigh 270 pounds of pure muscle. <laughs> Not that that isn't possible, but yeah. you're consuming something, my friend. Well, if you think about this, let's think about it for a second. Yeah. Um, what is one of the key factors in muscle growth that uh, contributes to uh, a, a lot of a ma- mass gain and, and improvement? That is uh, the repair, the constant repair and mm-hmm. replenishing of your muscles. Now, how could you, how could you expedite that? What if you had the magnetic control of the iron in your blood and you could basically be giving yourself like some sort of like magnetic steroidal therapy, you know, mm-hmm. and it was constantly like just beefing him up. Yeah. I don't know I don't anything know. about anatomy. I don't I'm just know trying about to BS that. <laughs> You're saying he's getting hypertrophy by, by destroying yeah. his muscles. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. My bigger concern is he can move. He can move metal, which means that he never actually uses his arms to like do any sort of exercise. Clearly, he like, does. He just he just he uses his mind, and he's just in the gym and all. Like he's just balancing uh, machines and stuff. I gotta imagine though that the use of their powers, like they 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 actually uh, exemplify this in this one. Like uh, the first time Storm successfully uses that lightning to. Mm-hmm. shoot those three sentinels down she faints because it's an exertion mm-hmm. and it's like oh, okay that's there's got to be a caloric like yeah. toll yeah from them using these like iceman's cryokinesis has to come from something yeah you know because they've addressed that with like the flash the flash has to eat a lot you know yeah. to like when you himself. like when you flex your taint <laughs> yeah there's right? like, like every, that, going that's, to that. what if that's how all mutant powers work they're they're core like all, all non-passive <laughs> mutant powers like gambit is like i'm going to kinetically charge this card and all you see is the card gaining power but what he's actually doing is flexing his taint they're just all doing kegels yeah and that's really where their power comes from when professor x he like he does the 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 sleight of hand of like you see him putting his fingertips to his forehead yeah, yeah. And you think that's him concentrating he's nope. actually flexing he's got two other low- fingers somewhere else <laughs> that's uh that's like uh spider-man's like two fingers to make his web come out yeah yeah it's that kind of a thing you know it's a special pressure point you have to hit Mm -hmm. perfectly and then you can control the minds of other men (laughs) um you know if you ever get handed the reins these are things to keep down as notes for you know the what if uh, of it all um so Magneto, I, I I like what they did with him. I I also like. I what do you think? Okay, I'll ask you before I give my my mm-hmm. my thoughts on it. The they they took a turn on Professor X in this one. Yeah, and 
it's it's definitely not too it's not far at all really from like the breadth of professor x in the 616 series but they kind of like you said they really like mm-hmm. condense it down and present him in a, spe- in a specific way what was your read on this version of professor x I, so that was one of the big things that I remember from this series is how like Professor X isn't this benevolent like he's not like he's he's often portrayed or written. Yeah, he's not a know? saint. Yeah, he's more honestly, he's a lot more like Professor Xavier as portrayed by uh, um, uh, McAvoy. No, no. Um, how am I forgetting Captain Picard's name? Oh, uh, Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart is portrayed by Patrick Stewart in X-Men The Last Stand. <laughs> a professor, a professor with a he's secret. He's controlling Gene. With an yeah, agenda. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. No, but I mean, I think, again, when you have that hindsight and you know that, like, okay, well, some of the cool things, like, Professor Xavier is boring if he was just a guy who, like, can control minds and is only trying to do good and Magneto's only trying to do bad. Like, Professor... Xavier is interesting when you realize like, wait, he's just a mirror image of Magneto. He's just he's willing to go just as far, but for a different purpose. Right. And so, again, I think the strength, the reason why I love these six issues is probably because I was like, oh, we're just going to read the first six arc. And then I don't like if I want to go further, I can. But that's what makes this so strong because the intentions and those things are seeded so well that you're like, yeah, like he's way more interesting this way. But ultimately, when you play that card, if you don't have anything to fall back on, it's going to be less interesting. So for me, it makes it very interesting. And I know it gets to that point. Eventually, people are like, "What? I can't believe what you did. And even in this, it's there's some manipulation. You can see him like they didn't. I don't know if they ever explicitly address, address the fact that like Cyclops went off to Magneto. And that was also how the, they found where Magneto was hiding out. But it felt to me, it reads like Professor Xavier like knew that might yeah. be the case that might yeah. then get like, sure, some of those mutants over there might die and some humans might die when Magneto ultimately. But that'll bring him out into the open in a way that'll yeah. allow me to get to him. Like, that's how he kind of thinks in this. And it's interesting. They, they, they definitely they really uh, explore that in the later issues. There's literally a conversation between the new students because they they kind of have this moment where they're like what are we doing because they that this first six issue they're all like excited about being on the team and they're having a great time but then they start visiting or tragedy starts visiting them in certain ways like the next run is like they go to weapon x and there's a point where all of them get captured and are enslaved basically in weapon x and and uh uh beast you know they explore like his full transformation into like the blue furry thing and that's that that whole thing and Iceman gets like really hurt and all that and they have this conversation where they're like how do we know professor x is a controlling right now like mm-hmm. what what is why would i want to join this spec ops team mm-hmm. put myself in like mortal danger on a weekly basis for humans that hate me and they they like they constantly revisit that because everyone is hyper aware, at least in this universe, of that potential mm-hmm. of Professor X. There's even I can't remember if it's an Ultimate X Men or an Ultimates. I think it's an Ultimate X Men because this is really about Professor X. But they the president has a bunker in like a hundred feet below the ground that they consider the only room they can be in that is like telepathically shielded, where they know 
that Professor X is not manipulating them because they start questioning. Because like even in this one, you know, the the president takes a a one eighty mm-hmm. and is all like, "Oh, I'm pro mutant." And then there's people also in the administration who are like, "Why is he pro mutant now? Is he being controlled, Professor yeah. X?" So they control it, and then it gets worse. Because I'll give a little spoiler here. At the end of this, it seems that Professor X kills Magneto. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. Yeah. Um. He actually like it's all a spectacle, and then he later. This is also like the uh, the hubris of Professor X. He could have just kept a secret, mm-hmm. and it would have been fine. But he takes Beast uh, on a walk through like Central Park. And then he's like, they're all talking about like, you know, the morality of what they're doing. And he just points out, he's like, who's that, who's that gentleman over there in the park uh, playing with those, uh, that, that group of special ed students. And it's just Magneto in yeah. like a, a button up, like a plaid shirt with a nice little beard. And he's enjoying himself. And he's like, that's Magneto. He's like, yeah, I changed his brain. So he, he thinks he's a teacher for these yeah, students. Yeah. And <laughs> it's just your it's average, like- it's just your average 59 year old bodybuilder. they are they this comic uh adam kubert and funny enough his brother andy kubert are pencil these six issues adam gets the first four and andy gets the second um the last two and uh they they do the thing which is not uncommon in comics where they are drawing these children Mm -hmm. these teenagers that all look like they are like 29, yeah. you know, uh, and just the biggest things in the world. Like you yeah. even talk about like Cyclops is, is just a huge, like he looks like he's been in the military for 15 years yeah, yeah. Um, and eats steak all day uh, because that's, that's well, how we do it. Well, I'll say, I mean, like one of the things that stood out to me was how much I love the art. Like it's beautiful. Uh, it's, it's looks so good. I uh nothing against extreme X-Men, but there were times where I would have to like flip back and forth and be like, what transpired? Sure. What like sure. what actually transpired here? This feels like you're like watching the storyboards for like an incredibly choreographed action film most of the time. Yeah. Um, and then just in terms of like just the image, everything is like a hold on it. So like even the very beginning, they're like, Oh, Magneto and his brotherhood of mutants. Oh, they're doing a broadcast over the TV. And so you have like the the depiction of real people and then the TV people. And so the juxtaposition of the two where like you don't see hits the the mask. Magneto's mask shadows his face yeah, and like very dramatic. He's, he's got the same helmet that you recognize, but then he's just kind of got this like simple two tone bodysuit. Like, yeah, his cape is always perfect. Like it's like it's very stunning a lot of the time it's it's very very beautiful and like i i just thoroughly i mean you should it's a comic book but i really enjoyed looking at this as much as i was liking reading it they they did what they often do what marvel does which is a smart business business tactic is they throw you know usually their best artists at these like at these big initiatives you know uh and this paid off the the artist changes quite a bit in the mm-hmm. ultimate x-men run um it swaps around to people i think adam kubert uh draws a, a fair amount of it i'm looking at his uh credits and he's like issues one through four seven through eight ten through twelve fifteen through seventeen that kind of thing he he draws mm-hmm. all the way up to like issue 33 um but then it it swaps around to a lot of people after mm-hmm. that 
Um, and same with like the writers, like Mark Millard, he does this, these first 12 issues. So he gets the, this first six run and then weapon X, the next six. Um, and a lot of times, especially with writers, when you hand the comic over to someone else, it is, it is just rolling the dice on like, Mm -hmm. okay, did they have something good to take off from this? Or is it going to be kind of a rough stint? Um, but I, I thought like considering the guy had not written X-Men was not an X-Men expert and was tasked with a, I mean, basically a way to get new people to read these comics after 2000s X-Men film, you know, came out. Um, I've, I don't think Mark Millar is the most consistently good writer. Like he mm-hmm. has some like stinkers as anybody does, but when the guy strikes gold, he does. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. it's, it's, it's why so many, I've said this before. It's why I think so many of his works have been adapted to, I mean, successful shows, mm-hmm. not, not every single one of them, but like the first Kingsman film is really fun. And the first kick-ass film is, is also really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and maybe not everything that he's done for like the Netflix Millarverse. Is that what he was calling it? Is it? Um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause he signed like a big Netflix deal. Yeah. And he, what, what was the, uh, I always think Jupiter ascending, but that's incorrect. Uh, it's, it was the, the, the weird Superman esque, uh, superhero tv show that was on netflix i can't remember what it's called now uh but it's adapted from his comic and it just wasn't a very good tv show and it was like it was kind of like a dark universe cinematic universe kind of launch where mm-hmm. they did the whole thing where they said like oh this is going to be all part of a big verse and then the flagship thing came out and it, mm-hmm. and no one watched it or liked it and so they scrapped the whole thing and it 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 gotcha you know i mean that's that's kind of here so here's here's what I kept thinking when I kept coming back to while I was reading this. We've already, we've harped on the fact that it's like such a time capsule in, in tonal ways and well, stuff, but. And we haven't even talked about that. This, that this is the ultimate comics were a major time capsule because they explicitly used real people in mm-hmm. the comics. They referenced George Bush. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Um, and multiple times in the Ultimates and Ultimate X Men, they they talk about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, Tony Blair is mentioned when they go to yeah, the, yeah. the English uh, terrorist attack and that kind of thing. Yeah, but it, yeah, it's a, we've talked about it's a capsule. But but like tonally though, here's here's what I was thinking. I was like, this is like Gone in sixty seconds or Swordfish, right? Okay, you've got me. I'm good. So like like Swordfish, we can argue about whether or not that's actually a good movie, but. <laughs> It comes on, we're probably watching it through to the end. You know, like same with Gone in 60 Seconds. I think Gone in 60 Seconds is great, but it's it you got you have she's in dreads, it's Nicolas Cage, she's yeah. this heartthrobby lead, like it's all about a car, he does the weird stuff, like it's so filled and it, everything is for some reason green. Like we were just in this, it was like a post-Michael Bay era of of evanescence trying to figure out what was cool you know like and fast and, it, and furious was out yeah like uh, fast and furious for sure like all these things and they were just so yeah not even edgy but they were reaching for something you give these directors shots they had only done wild commercials or wild music videos and stuff like that and then you'd give them this movie 
and and that's what this feels like it feels Very exactly so. like gone in 60 seconds but with x-men someone said just do it and again that movie comes on i'm gonna watch it through to the end it doesn't <laughs> matter if it's the last scene or the first scene yeah. like i'll never see yeah. the opening credits because i'll probably never decide oh tonight's a great night to watch swordfish but um <laughs> But when I do pop in, and it's probably that point where John Travolta's like, take the wheel, and then he's shooting in two directions in that weird car, <laughs> I'm going to watch through to the end every single time. And that's this feels like that exactly as a comic book with X-Men. We're, uh, we're always like venturing in with media. We are redefining what cool is because mm-hmm. cool can't be nailed down to anything because at one point, you know, the Ninja Turtles movie comes out and that is peak cool. That's cool. You know, Surfer Bill dudes, and Ted, excellent Cowabunga, adventure. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's that. And then, yeah, we move into like this grunge exalting mm-hmm. era and we're like, uh, you know, goatees. Tyler and Durden is cool now. Tyler Durden is cool. Yeah. My guy. Um, and now like cool definitely is, is very different. Uh, it's, it's, I think it's even broader of what the definition of cool is because media has just become broader. Um, but yeah, this early two thousands, we survived the, uh, Y2K. Um, everyone's talking about hacking. Uh, we're, we're watching the matrix. We're listening to rage against the machine, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and you could almost hear like, uh, a soundtrack to this comic well, as you're reading it. It's got like Nirvana and Audio Slave and and Evanescence and and that kind of stuff. Well, I was gonna say, not only are we listening to Rage Against the Machine, we're also listening to all the other bands that aren't as good as Rage Against the Machine, but are still trying to do what they do, but yeah, worse. Yeah. But we yeah. love it so much that we'll take it all, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 like uh there's like I always I was a huge like pop punk fan I was I still am mm-hmm. um I listened to Jimmy Eat World and Blink-182 today mm-hmm. um but there was always like uh like like three of those bands that I liked and then there was like 50 others that were trying to be yep. those big bands and but you still were just like yeah I'll listen to all of them AFI and Taking Back Sunday and Simple Plan and mm-hmm. and Good Charlotte and all these things you yeah, know yeah. uh it it's I I would love to talk to I I wonder what this these books would be like if like a Gen Zer was reading them who is like, you know, definitely didn't grow up yeah. in that Y2K era. Yeah, yeah. You know, we a lot of people like have gone back and watched some of this stuff like X-Men and that kind of thing. Because I even, I've, I've had some, you know, younger guests on this show and a lot of them pinpoint their fandom to the release of those films. Mm-hmm. But there was something special about being like a, you and I are like, almost the exact same age Mm -hmm. and being teenagers slash college students in that era. um, Like, you know, I think Mark Millar nails it when he says like Buffy, it's like that whole CW era Mm -hmm. was changing what we all thought was cool. And uh, this is just perfect encapsulation of it. Um, But it, it isn't, it isn't, overly cringy which i appreciated 
like I when I pulled these back up, I was like, oh god, are these going to fully age like mm-hmm. like you know milk? Uh, and they do eventually mm-hmm. um, when they ran out of ideas and they and they used up all of their good ideas because um, they rush through oh, yeah, so yeah. much X Men lore in these Ultimate comics, um, and really like they introduce a ton of characters in his first six issues, and then in the Weapon X one, they introduce another like round of like twelve characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but before like i was just it, it it's it's fun it's there's a you can read it and go like oh yeah it makes sense why this is successful like mm-hmm. people are going to p- pick this up and be like oh now i can get into x-men comics and it's starring wolverine i know that guy the mm-hmm. hugh jackman guy was him i can i can get into this um and they're fighting magneto okay i can get into this and it it you know it's sad now in a post to me, to me, I'm an ex, I'm a comic fan who still reads them like like they're my breath of air. Uh, you you get to the end of Ultimates of all the Ultimate comics, mm-hmm. it's it's depressing. Um, like it does how not, far the quality falls. It ended terribly. Yeah. Um, they and I haven't gotten to it yet, and so uh, this is my memory of it. But the whole thing culminated in this big event called Ultimatum. Um, which that's a cool title. I'm just mm-hmm. going to say that that's just a very cool title, but it, I recall it just feeling very jumping the shark at that mm-hmm. point and just trying to have a last breath of these things getting cool. Um, and I think Marvel knew people really loved these comics and, and knew they needed to do something with these. Um, but they didn't know really how to keep them going. They tried a few times to like reboot ultimate X-Men. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point it stars Wolverine's son, okay. uh, Jimmy Hudson. All right. Um, <laughs> okay. um, who's like this blonde Wolverine basically. Mm-hmm. He's like Ken as a Wolverine. Um, and it wasn't good. And it was, it's, I think the best thing that happened to it was Jonathan Hickman going, Okay, let's do this big uh, uh, event where all the universes are colliding and only one is surviving in each of these collision events. And what if the whole thing culminated in the two most well-known universes in Marvel Comics, which is 616 and Ultimate Universe, which I think is like 1601, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and that was the best goodbye to it uh, because it it did not... It was great in the early 2000s. It's not great in the late 2000s and into like the, you know, the early aughts and that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Why we I didn't even uh, ask this question of you cuz you you basically requested this comic when we were I think it was when we were talking about Extreme X-Men, you'd asked has anybody picked Ultimate X-Men yeah. yet? It was your pick of this just because of like fond memories of it when you read it in the 2000s? I think that was my hope. Again, it, it's, this has been so long since I've picked it up and actually read it that, that I think I was like hoping, over 20 years. Yeah. I mean, I was hoping I would get that. The It honestly delivered exactly what I was hoping for, which was that it would be that thing when you throw on a movie, right? Like you're like, yeah, I haven't seen this movie in forever, but I remember yeah. thinking it was so cool. I wonder <laughs> if it's still cool. And you watch it and you're like, it's mostly dumb, but I I still remember yeah. why I love it. Like I wasn't wrong for loving it back then. Um, it's like a little gamble we play now yeah. with our memories, where yeah. we're like, I could not put this in and just keep my memories I have of this. Yeah, uh, I, I, but I'm gonna 
I'm going to see. I also think for the sake of this podcast and like the discussion, I really like the idea because I know all of those do such a great job as as, at starting at one. Right. Yeah. We're going to here's the origin and we're going to go right into it. But we're also modern enough that we can we're not going to hold your hand for it. And uh, and coming off of extreme X-Men, it was like that was like a hybrid one. We talked about it a little bit where they were like, like, oh, yeah, like we're a new team. We got new with suits. With a lot of backstory. Yeah, but we also have to stop every single time to make sure you know what happened in 1977. Or, you know, like, or, you know, like we have to figure out how to wrap that up. So, it, again, yeah, it's like it's like new new coat, but still dragging behind, like, the heavy baggage of everything. Um, and so written while, by Chris Claremont. Yeah, yeah, which makes sense. He's got it all in his head. But I think as a reader just jumping in, like if someone was like, should I just jump in at X- Extreme X-Men? I'd be like, I don't know. You might as well go back further, right? And like lead <laughs> yeah, yeah, up yeah. to it. Like you might as well pick. Honestly, the- of of these these number ones of new X-Men, Extreme X-Men, Ultimate X-Men, the hardest one is Extreme mm-hmm. X-Men. Okay. Like okay. Grant Morrison's new X-Men is much easier to get into. Yeah. Because um, it kind of starts from a little bit of a fresh point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and Ultimate X-Men fully starts from a fresh point. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm actually like, I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm glad, I'm glad that revisiting these wasn't as like damaging to the memory as it could have been. Yeah. Um, and part of it was that like, I, I think you pointed out perfectly, like it's not only like really fun, good pacing, fun characters and just kind of like a big old action film, but it's like, it's beautiful. It. Uh, has these really cool like visual new takes on the characters and their their costumes are a little different and their hairstyles and stuff like that even like little things like well what if colossus doesn't have that iconic you know lines of steel what if mm-hmm. he's like smooth chrome um and 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 what if we you know did stuff like that uh it's just it's those are interesting it seems it seems like just of such a fun experiment to get to do yeah um, I, I think it's pretty successful i mean i don't envy any writer that doesn't know when their writing is going to end right like it's easy to start yeah. a race but if you don't know how far you're running like that's especially with narrative stuff right if these are all just battle of the week they probably could have gone on forever but i think one of sure. the strengths is like what you're saying story arcs building and building and building so like things are eventually going to go off the rails and it's a shame that that they were i mean greed almost certainly motivated going beyond what the story was supposed to be um, yeah but i i mean millard didn't have you know plans for a hundred issues of this mm-hmm. no no one would and and that's a common thing in comics like even even when they hand over the reins like they did to like jonathan hickman for uh house of x and powers of 10 and we're like you are going to have you know basically free reign of not free reign but you're gonna have like leadership role of all the x titles like six of them Mm -hmm. and we want you to plan out like years of this um and even with that with like the success of what he did everyone loved what he did when it got to the point where hickman wanted to end it he wanted to basically wrap up the Krakoan era uh i I can't remember if it was like inferno that he wanted to do it there or it was like the an arc right before that but what i've learned is that editorially they were like 
this is selling too well. People mm. are enjoying this too mm-hmm. well. Let's let's keep this going. And that's when Hickman left. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they could they continued it with some really great writers like Jerry Duggan and and uh, 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 Vita Ayala and and just all these these great people. Uh, ben, uh, Jeff Lowe, Benjamin Percy, all these guys. Um, and he, Hickman's actually coming back uh, for this really like mysterious. Uh, title called Marvel Gods mm-hmm. and Gods is an acronym and it's all they're the marketing great um uh, and so I'm excited Hickman's coming back but yeah uh read the first six issues and then yeah. enjoy the next six issues um alongside it I highly recommend like Ultimates is very interesting to read actually Ultimates a little cringier than this it's even trying to be more edgy than this yeah. Um, I don't know if you ever read Ultimate. That, that's the Avengers one, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I that's the one that's like you're like two issues in and you're like, all right, well, I think Pim's really beating the shit out of her. Like, yeah. <laughs> like like, I, like uh, issue uh, two, there's like uh you know, marital abuse scenes, like but explicit that, ones. That's also where they introduced the concept of like, wait, what if we freeze Captain America, right? Wasn't that like where that concept came from? No, I mean that's the original Captain America thing. Um and but it is a retelling of that because uh the avengers coalesced around finding steve rogers mm-hmm. and that kind of thing um but they definitely had a, a a fresher take on it for the ultimates which is what was adapted for the mcu mm-hmm. and even i think it was mark millar wrote the ultimates and he's the one who was like uh you know what if Nick Fury was like a, a cool Samuel Jackson character. What oh if, yeah. What if yeah. He was that. Yeah. Um, and, and that ultimately, you know, obviously like God talk about like fan casting your mm-hmm. way through it. Um, uh, but the, the ultimates is less consistently good. Even, yeah. I remember like, it being like as much as we kind of at the beginning of this talked about like trying to be edgy for edgy's sake, like to convince you we're not we're not the comics from the late eighties, right? <laughs> we're, mom's not, we're not the X Men Saturday morning cartoon, right? Yeah. You're gonna see a lot more death than morph, right? <laughs> you know, the this one felt from what I remember, and again, it's probably been only slightly less long. Right, because when did that series start? It was it was shortly after this. The, yeah. It was it it was uh, Ultimate Spider Man and then Ultimate X Men. I think it was the Ultimates after that, followed closely by Fantastic Four, and those were the main four ongoing titles. There's a bunch of other uh, small runs that they did yeah. as well. I used to read them on my lunch break. I remember specifically Ultimates. So every single time I think about it, the smell of the coffee shop that I sat on the <laughs> patio of is is intertwined with the imagery from that comic book because i would just read volumes and volumes of it on my lunch break when i was an intern uh after shortly after having moved to los angeles so i mean short of the fact that you were uh working out and uh building a uh impressive musculature uh body other than that you and i have pretty similar uh you know, uh, the we're, the same. Yeah, we're, the, we're same. the same. We're the same. We're the same. As I look at you with your own mustache on your face. Elise now. wants me to get rid of it so bad. <laughs> <laughs> She's so ready for this to be done. Does that, does that spurn you on to keep it longer or do you want to acquiesce? No, to I feel own? like for me, this is a, this was a summer fun thing. My mustache. This was a, was a summer, summer fun thing. thing. And I had a blast, but at, at a certain <laughs> point I need to go back. I need to go back home. You know, <laughs> 
<laughs> it sounds like you it, it actually i did that recently i don't grow my facial hair very quickly uh because of my testosterone deficiency um so while i have what could be described as a respectable mustache at this point it takes like it takes like four months you got a great to, mustache you got a great mustache. uh but every once in a while like most uh, uh you know facial hair growing individuals do you kind of just let it grow out and you're like mm-hmm. well what if like everyone did it during the pandemic and i recently i let you know like my i'm gonna use air quotes my beard mm-hmm. grow out and i let it go out a bit i'm like oh yeah and then it just gets to the point where it's like this looks sad this looks yeah. sad. i'm not saying yours looks sad at no, all I'm mine saying, does. Like, that's yeah. <laughs> no because that was the thing too like because i've never the reason i've never really gone for the beard look is because and we're getting way off topic but uh wolverine has facial hair there um uh there is because it doesn't ever fill in like it doesn't look it's not like a cool awesome beard yeah. um and but my my mustache has always kind of been like okay so the I was strongest like, part of your, it's of your definitely growth. the strong. I would say like my chin also, I can yeah. fill in a lot too, but once you start getting up onto the cheek, it's just a big yeah, mess. So I never nice went connectivity. for it. Yeah. And so you don't want the patches and stuff. So I never considered it before, but then I was like, wait, just the mustache. And I, I've been enjoying <laughs> it. I've been, in, I've been having a good time, but you rock it. Well, and I can connect this back to X-Men actually. Great, please. Um, and actually in this era, uh, there is a there's moments of uh, comics no matter the fact that it was 20 years ago 30 years ago that I was reading them that like just just are burned into my brain because someone said something that was just an interesting little lore tidbit that they added it's kind of like uh, one of the lines from Ultimate X-Men that has always stood out to me from way back when I read it was just that line that Professor X has in his library when they are first entering and he talks about how like yeah, uh, you know, I I read books faster than I can turn them in, so I find myself just reading, uh, you know, as authors type them, and I'm like, oh, that's so cool. I don't know why that's so cool, mm-hmm. but it's just a fun little. No one's ever described Professor X using his mental powers like that, but in an uh, X Men annual, uh, which are often these non canonical, sometimes non canonical uh, extra bits. Although this one was canonical because it introduced an important mutant. It was a story that involved. Wolverine and they start the story off with Wolverine fully shaving his head and beard mm-hmm. and they question him and I I'm going to I'm going to butcher like the full explanation of this but they're like what you doing Wolverine and he's like uh all this hair grows back so fast and so thick just I got every once in a while just shave it all off and 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 go from a clean slate and I like that because it is addressing the fact that Wolverine gets like his entire you know all of his dermis burnt mm-hmm. off all the time and it grows back and then immediately has that quaff of hair yeah. and his sideburns. And I like that. It's like a, almost like a vampiric default that his body has mm-hmm. where it's like, we have to immediately get back to this, this state of this is the hair. Yeah. And I, it was such a throwaway thing to do, but they like, they, they drew him, you know, shaving everything off. And so mm-hmm. for the entire annual, it's just a bald Wolverine, which turns out, it's hard to recognize Wolverine when he's bald and doesn't have his iconic stuff. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> There's there is a look that helps you recognize this this generic white dude. Yeah. Uh and that is he's got that certain hair. Silhouettes are key. Sideburns. Silhouettes, silhouettes are, key. are key. Yeah. Okay. Uh we can wrap this up. This was perfectly what I wanted this conversation to be and I I really appreciate that you could have come to this with whatever take you wanted to. I welcome all 
uh, responses to these comics because I think it's great to enjoy them. I think it's great to criti- criticize them. I think it's great to like study them because they are moments from the past. Mm-hmm. But it made it so much more fun that you enjoyed this and have like an uh, appreciation for this stamp in time. Um, even just like referring to like just the coolness of like gone in 60 seconds. is just so perfect. That is mm-hmm. so exactly what this is. There's, there's, there's car chases in this, these issues yeah. like yeah. Wolverine and Cyclops are in cars, you know, that kind of thing. It's, it's there, but we can wrap it up with a little game that I've been doing with my guests, which is, I think it's fun to like, just do some fan casting okay. for what, you know, will be the upcoming, you know, iterations of this in the MCU. I've got a couple of ideas for some characters. You, I, I, I always leave this open. You can, anybody you want, someone okay. that was in ultimate comics, someone was just a character you like any, and it can be someone new as far as an actor right now, or like me where it's often, I, uh, my understanding of actors is stuck in like the nineties. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, to me, like, Steve Martin is still one of the biggest celebrities of all time. Well, he you know, is. He is. <laughs> obviously because he is got a brand new show on Hulu. You know, oh, I know so. new episodes are out. I just saw that. Yeah, so he's still excited. he's still in it. You're okay. He's still good. Okay, good. So, do you have some suggestions for the casting director um, to take into account for their MCU? So, are they specifically for any Marvel character, or specifically from this Ultimate X Men? Uh, let's say any X-Men whatsoever. And, mm. and, and, and you can, uh, you can pick from ultimate X-Men. You can pick from just like whatever X-Men. Man, um, that's tough. Uh, you want me to start us off? Yeah. Yeah. You, you kick it off. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I got two suggestions for like titular iconic characters that I think are going to be the hardest thing to cast. And so I, we haven't really stuck to these guys very much in the past with these other fan castings, but I've got a suggestion for Wolverine and I've got a suggestion for Magneto. And those are going to be so hard to recast. Okay. Um, someone pointed out like this little fact that like for 22 years, there's been one actor playing Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Like no other character has done that. Yeah. There's multiple people who have played like almost every other character, at least that length. Yeah. You yeah. know, all the way back. Like, obviously, there's only been one Captain America at this point, but like Chris Evans hasn't played him since 2000. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I was thinking about Wolverine, and I, and obviously, I'm a little, I, I, he's got a big movie that just came out, but really what happened was last night, my girlfriend and I watched, uh, she had never seen Drive. Okay. And that cemented to me like, Ryan Gosling could actually play a brooding, violent, uh, quiet, muscular character uh-huh. and pull it off because he is, he is, uh, he's very like, uh, foreboding and, and reserved, but like explodes with energy and you believe it. Um, he plays such a beautiful Ken, but yeah. man, he could be a Wolverine. I yeah. Could. I could see that. Like it tonally, the thing about Ryan Gosling for me is that tonally it's almost impossible to take him seriously, even when you're supposed to like even in Blade Runner. I'm like, are you talking about Ryan Reynolds? No, I'm talking is about Ryan... Ryan Gosling. Like, oh, Blade from, Runner. I from... heard you say Blade. And I thought of I heard Blade. <laughs> you thought I was I heard talking Blade. about uh, what's his name in that? Oh, he's got I a great about name. Ryan Reynolds in Blade Three. No, no, no. Yeah. Blade Runner. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, like, like he it's he's great. Like, I think it's he's I think he's awesome. But there's. His... Yeah. His voice doesn't fully match his body. He has a yeah. very small voice for just a big guy. Yeah. 
I think he'd be Wolverine, though. Okay. I think it'd be I, good. I, listen, any, any, people said that Hugh Jackman would be a terrible Wolverine, and now we yeah. can't even let him go. So Look at that man prancing around singing Oklahoma. How is he going to be Wolverine yeah. if, if all he wants to do is musical theater? Um, yeah. And then my Magneto, I think, I'm like, okay, I want an older guy. I want a guy that could do this gravitas. I want a guy that has dynamics and, and is able to do all kinds of breaths of these characters. And I'm like, oh, who's big right now? And I was like... What if we got like a Pedro Pascal as a mm, as a as a Magneto? You know, we kind of because I I I like the idea of letting you know anybody play these characters because because these characters can be played by anybody because mm-hmm. there's there there are so many versions of them in the comics. We should be you know we should be open to so many versions of the characters playing them. And I was like, I, I think I'd like dad magneto played by pedro pascal yeah you know and then cast a bunch of younger people under him to to take care of that yeah Hmm. any any characters stand out to you that you would love to just get to pick somebody for this is this is a a wild card especially for you okay because i know i know he's beloved for you but nightcrawler Okay, right. I'm a huge Nightcrawler fan. You're a huge and, Nightcrawler and fan. Jim Cummings did a did a great. Uh, I mean, uh, what's his name? Not Jim Cummings. Uh, Alan. Uh, Alan Cummings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Winnie the Pooh. Um, uh, what about the take? Kieran Culkin as Nightcrawler. <laughs> I love that. Right. I love that. Like I something, love that. something like that. Like because like you, we we've. I feel like we've only gotten to see Nightcrawler as like a sad sack. Right, like yeah. even even in um, what was it, Age of Apocalypse, right? Because they, he's yeah, in, yeah, he's in that one too. I did not he's, like that. He's one. he's still kind of like a mopey, emo-y, sad sack, right? It's the kid from like Hugo. What was that movie? Oh, is it? I don't. I yeah. I, it was on TV recently, and I was like, I completely forgot they ever got to Nightcrawler in this. Yeah, he's got like a series. flock of seagulls haircut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and then Alan Cummings is great because he's you know he's cabaret he's like Very stage theatrical, actor but they wrote ca- him carnival, as such yeah. a like oh no i'm actually oppressed yeah and, yeah yeah so i feel like i feel like that is part of nightcrawler's culture of his character yeah. in a lot of ways but kieran culkin is such a snapback like he's oh he's always hunched over <laughs> right and he's kind his eyes are very piercing and stuff like yeah. that but like he also always has something to say and kind of looks like maybe he's having a good time doing it like I feel like you could get fun like Nightcrawler vibes from that. I will tell you this: if not Nightcrawler, I now just want Kieran Culkin in the MCU somewhere, in so, some some capacity. Well, you, uh, while you were talking, I was like, I was like, Kieran Culkin is definitely, but where oh. would he fit? And so, oh, but I, I like better, the Nightcrawler. I'm just saying, I'm so into that. I genuinely like give that man because he. I mean, other than uh, 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 Tom in succession oh yeah 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 uh kieran was our favorite character mm-hmm. uh, I, I mean just the 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 dynamic nature of that character and the 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 quick response and kieran's delivery mm-hmm. like iconic for forever yeah yeah um actually put matthew McFade in mcu as well um i need him there um actually isn't oh he's in deadpool 3 he'll be in deadpool 3 oh really he is. Okay. I forgot. There so you go. He, 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 I mean, everyone's, he, he, almost everyone's been through it. It's like yeah, a British yeah, actor in Game of Thrones. You've been in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kieran Culkin. Good call. Good call. I, I like that. Be fun. 
He he could be Nightcrawler, and Kieran would also be a good like give him like a villain part. Well, He'd also I, do well with that. It's not Marvel, but also as a Joker, I think we could an interesting uh, take on the Joker. It might be too much. It might be too much. Like I feel like yeah. we need a new twist on Joker and not just more people. Do we? <laughs> no, I, I do, do. I think we do because like from like the Batman, I'm like Ugh, you're just. These are just pale imitations of Heath Ledger at this point. I know, right? Well, that's hard. It is. It is very hard. And but I do think that Kieran Culkin has like a a vibe and an energy and a charisma that would be a great lens to put some sort of iconic character through. Yeah, because he has like he even has a little bit of like a like a Jack Nicholson manicness to some yeah. of his his stuff. Um, to call back to like one of the original Jokers, uh, Kieran Culkin. Good call. I appreciate that. Well, James, uh, a delight, a pleasure, Love a treasure. Uh, as uh, as same as last time. If you enjoy listening to James uh, rant on about random nineties uh, and two thousands references, good news. He does it all week long at Funhouse on YouTube. They stream during the week. Uh, they have VODs every single day. Uh, they even, you guys even had like a, a few X-Men videos recently where you guys grabbed software of the old X-Men, like X-Men what movie was maker, Mo- X-Men movie maker. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which we told I'm our so own si- X-Men story. And, and, and it was so accurate. It was so yeah. good. It was so, it was so on, on, yeah, in the, in the Canon. It was, mm-hmm. it was like, they should just add it in, mm-hmm. uh, assisted by who else was in that video? Like John was in John that was video. In video. Was Lindsay should, in that I think one? Charlotte was in that video. Right? Charlotte was in yeah, that yeah. one. Uh, great, great series. I've always, I will say this to, to my dying breath. Funhouse is making, uh, some of the best video content Thank on you. the internet. Um, and I love what you guys do. Uh, but yeah, any, anywhere else, any other, any other new projects to send people towards, uh, or you got secrets Uh, to tell later on? I mean, a couple, yeah, a couple things. Uh, I think the, so a game that Elise and I wrote last year, Arcade Again, is available on Steam. Uh, It was on Epic, but it's on Steam now. So if you get the inclination, feel free to check that out. It's a fun running gun shooter. Yeah. And then, uh, Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed, which came out last year is continuing to release new DLC. We just had like a big third DLC drop. Um, all of the DLC is free. Um, so you get the game, you get all the updates and stuff like that. Uh, that. so, and it's also coming out for switch soon. Um, which is going to be really cool. And then also, I don't know when this podcast is going to go up and I don't know when what I'm going to mention is going to go up, but Patrick and I are bringing film discussion back to. Oh yeah. Fun house. So yeah, it's going to be a twist on film house. Mostly us watching bad action movies from the eighties and nineties, digging up some dirt on it and then basically like it's going to be like almost like a mystery science theater because we we walk through the plot we pick our favorite scenes we talk about our favorite quotes and then we just kind of chat our way through the plot of a movie um so yeah we don't we we don't have a title to announce or anything like that yet but keep an eye out because that's going to be coming down soon too i'm excited about that i'm i like listening to you guys uh harp on films uh well great well thank you for coming back uh thank you for picking such a fun uh series to read no thank you um and we'll have to think about the next excuse to have you on let uh, me know this is great and you need to read scrooge the life and time oh yeah thank you for the reminder 100 percent. i'm i'm gonna look for that uh that's such a good call out i would love to put that on my bookcase 
Um, just so people could ask, like, is that a Scrooge omnibus on your bookcase? You go, you goddamn right, and it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much, James, and thank you very much, audience, for listening. I will check you guys out next time. Bye.